We are back with our third episode of Back in Style, and we, at this moment, we have just finished watching the episode. We watched it together this week, um, so we're going to get some raw reactions. Yeah. Um, we literally just finished the episode, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't really know what to say. Um, <laughs> wow, I, I, I had my notebook handy out throughout this whole episode, and... Once the episode reached a certain point, once the dream started, I just kind of stared at the screen in wonder and bewilderment. I am kind of at a loss for words. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah well, that was insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so if you have seen this episode, if you've not seen this episode before, um, please stop listening. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I think we might do this episode a little bit backwards today. Um just so we can have, like, just as, as raw a reaction as possible to this. Because, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this episode, but, um, you know, it's kind of known as the dream episode. Yeah. I mean, Logan had always talked about the dreams in Twin Peaks, and I was wondering <laughs> when it happened, but my God, <laughs> it hit hard. <laughs> yeah, and, well, also then we get, um, uh, we get the name of the name of the show. Back in style. Yes. That, I've got um, good news. That gum you like is going to come back come in back style. Come back in style. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, there's the, the finally popped up. Um, it was a strange line. I don't really understand it. Uh, yeah. So that dream. I uh, I wasn't expecting the episode to end so soon, but the, the dream, you're right, took up predominantly a lot of the episode. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it takes up more of the episode than I even usually remember. Um, there's So there's this book that I... I um, I have it right here, and this is where I get the plot summaries from and everything. Uh, it's called The Essential Wrapped in Plastic uh, by John Thorne. The Wrapped in Plastic was like a magazine. It was, it was like a fan um, magazine, like, in, you know, in the 90s when the show was on. Then um, it kind of continued, you know, just kind of having, like, any Twin Peaks news. Had a bunch of interviews and stuff. Um, and it has a lot of great insights on all the episodes, along with plot summaries, which is the main reason why I use it. Um, <laughs> but it... it it kind of um, divides its summaries into four, like four acts, and the entire fourth act here is just this dream. Um, so, I mean, I'll read the rest of the plot summary eventually, but uh, I think we should start with the dream here. Yeah, I just want to start right now with it. Yeah, let's All right, let's um, go for it. Yeah. Um, I, so we, I, yeah, I'm kind of like yeah. reeling for what to say here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see him. Uh, he's he's sleeping. Um, and you know we had gotten set up earlier in the episode right about about his dreams and how he um you know when he's throwing the rocks and everything and he has this method of deduction uh that he acquired when he was in a dream uh something like that yeah and i was kind of i was waiting for these these dream sequences to happen because in the first episode we get uh norma talking to bobby and she goes you know uh, I'll see you in my dreams. Or he says that. Oh, know. that's right. Um, not if I see you first. And then in this episode, um, uh, Audrey Horne says, you know, isn't it dreamy about this song? So these, all yeah, these little things, and I've, right. I've been waiting for this. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we get thrown into this dream, and um, if I remember correctly, it's it's like a bunch of flashing lights in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? With all these images, like, thrown onto the screen. Yeah, so there are these strobe lights, and, and it really is, I mean... I probably missed some stuff in here but just because they throw so many images at you at once. Yeah. Uh, so we first see Cooper, um, and he's... They have, like, age makeup on him, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he's... 
So he, he's a good bit older. Um, and he's sitting in this chair in a room with a red curtain. We talked about the use of colors last yeah, time. So I did. I, I had to yeah. hold my tongue with this, the red room. Yeah, but. I knew the, I had heard the term, the red room about mm-hmm. Twin Peaks, but I had no idea how it was used. So, you know, this is the first instance of it. Yeah, completely right. The floor has a zigzag pattern that I've always seen associated with uh-huh. Twin Peaks. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the small midget guy is in red. Yeah, and you're, you're right. He's got this almost, like, glazed look to him. It's like, he like, they they made him look older, but I wonder if they, like, intentionally, you know, just made it look absolutely... It's just horrifying. He, he yeah. Look, yeah, he looks a little, like, confused throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Which you can imagine. Uh, you would be confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we got a couple images um, flashed up there. We see we see the, uh, the little man who's... And whenever he's credited, he's always uh, the man from another place. Some people call him, like, little man from another place. I don't huh. know. It's just um, kind of, you know, not really that important. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, we see we see parts of the Palmer house. Um, we can see, like, the fan, uh, kind of the shot that they really like to use of the fan and, yeah. like, with the staircase. The, the mother walking down the staircase. Mm-hmm. She's and... screaming Laura and slowed down. So yep, and an intercut between this is the strobe lights and then there's a... Um, that shop from before, from before, that creepy guy with the long hair that pops up again. Mm-hmm. And this was really freaking terrifying. There's something so scary about when films do this, when they just flash images upon it, up um, on a screen really fast, like in 2001 A Space Odyssey, during when he enters into the void, because you don't know what's going to pop up, and you don't know. Like it's just, it's such a terrifying feeling when yeah, films do yeah. that. It definitely kind of just like keeps you on your toes. And, yeah. Um, just always guessing. It's re- it's a really like on edge experience. I I feel like yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So now this one armed man. Yeah. Um, he said his name was Mike. He said his name was Mike. Yeah. So so we see him in in his black jacket. Um, and he looks different. Um, I don't know. He looked like younger, or, or so he just looked a lot different from when we see him in the elevator. He's got both arms, and he's speaking into the camera, and he's saying all these weird things about how he had a tattoo on his left shoulder and something about God and he cut it off his whole arm off so I yeah so I just I mean I just completely wrote down uh, what he said okay in here um, so I I have this in my notes but um, he says we lived among the people I think you say convenience store we lived above it I mean it like it is like it sounds I too have been touched by the devilish one Tattoo on the left shoulder, but when I saw the face of God, I was changed. I took the entire arm off, so that's why he's the one-armed man. Yeah. Uh, and then, my name is Mike, his name is Bob. And then, yeah, when he says his name is Bob, we go to the man with the long hair, but mm-hmm. this time he's in, like, this, like, uh, ripped jean jacket, and he's, like, in some basement garage-looking thing, and his uh-huh. hair's all messy, and he's... Uh, I forget what he says. I don't know if you wrote that down as well. He says... He does. He says, um... Oh, you know what? Before this, before the one-armed man says all that stuff, he recites a poem, and it goes... That's right. It goes, Through the darkness of future's past, the magician longs to see. One chance out between two worlds, fire walk with me. So, the through the darkness of future past, there, I we really don't know what that means yet. Um, you know, maybe since Cooper looked like he was older in the Red Room, maybe that's like kind of the future. Yeah. Um, like futures past, maybe it, uh, you know, that room, like maybe it lives somewhere in there. Um, the magician longs to see again, no, no real clues at this point. 
um, one chance out between two worlds. So this is an interesting, that's an interesting line. One chance out between two worlds. And the two worlds is often cited as like, you know, the theme of duality that we've kind of been talking about. And, um, but also there's kind of a discrepancy between whether, um, the word chance is C H A N C E or C H A N T S. And oh. I believe on the we were watching it on uh, Netflix just now, and and so it has a close captioning has it uh, with the T S. Um, Lynch has said, I don't know. I mean, Lynch said one thing. Um, the actor who actually had to read that line said a different thing. Um, I'm kind of trying to find this in the in the book right now. Um, but yeah, so no one really knows. So I mean, again, that's just. It's just kind of ambiguous uh, uh, what is supposed to be going on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so the actor who plays the one-armed man, uh, Al Strobel, he says, uh, he says that it is chance with a T. I'm pretty sure Lynch said... Pretty sure Lynch said that it's uh, C-E. Oh, okay. At, at another point, I don't, I don't have that, but... Um, All right. Yeah, yeah, so that's there's some interesting stuff there. Yeah, it's I don't like I don't even know how to interpret it. It's just there, like even beside the dream, there was so much thrown into this episode. It, uh-huh. it was uh, so much different from the the uh, last episode where last episode was more easygoing. They were just kind of handing out plot lines. It was easy to follow. This one, oh my god, they just throw you. It's, they throw you to the wolves. You, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. This is um. You know, this is what I was thinking of when everybody talks about David Lynch and the surrealism and mm. how crazy the show is. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, and then in the poem there's a line, you know, fire walk with me. Yeah. And that's, of course, you know, the name of the movie. The title of the movie, and that's that popped up in the first episode. That's right, in the pilot, yeah. On the, what was that? It was on the it was note. It was on a note uh, in the train in the car train, the crime Laura scene. And, and it's... And I believe we see images from the from the train when it's in, like in this dream sequence in the beginning where there's all these flashes, or maybe not from the train, but we see like a bloody rag and this mm-hmm. other like images that look like they're from a crime scene. Yeah, and they're all kind of coming back. Yeah. Let's see. Um. So after this, yeah. So now we see uh, Bob. They call him, and he's in this. He's yeah. in this like. You know, we don't really know where he is. It looks like a boiler room, kind of garage type thing. Yeah. Um, and he's he's yelling, Mike, Mike. Um, and then his line is, uh, catch you with my death bag. You may think I've gone insane, but I promise I will kill again. You may think I've gone insane, but, but I I pr- I'll, kill I'll kill again. again. Gosh, my so, death bag. You know, the plastic that she was wrapped in. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. I don't know. So he's killed before, and he thinks that he's going to kill again. Yeah, I and mean, he, like, does he not, can he not control it? I don't understand. Yeah, and, and I mean, and he had, like, a tattoo on his left shoulder, too, and I was like, uh-huh. uh, okay. And it's a tattoo that says fire walk with me. Really? Okay. Okay. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so there are some candles uh, that go out. Yeah, in that it's like kind of a candle in a circle. Yeah, there's and like something. There's like a mound of dirt or something. A mound in of the dirt, middle. I think. Which I I only just realized that this time, but I think with the necklace. Yeah, like, with like with kind of with the necklace and like on the train car. Okay. And, and stuff. Um, you know, oh, there's so much that just there's goes on lot. in this last act here. Um, so after Mike's thing and after Bob's thing. Um, 
you know, we get back to the, oh, and there's another example of uh, duality and opposition because, you know, there, there are two of them. And, um, I mean, if you, if you want to kind of read into, you know, the fact that the one-armed man, he only has one arm, um, you know, there were two, now there's one, like is, yeah. is, something is off because there's only one and there's, there's not two. Um, but uh, yeah, so now, now we get back to the red room and we see Laura sitting in this chair. Yeah, and next to her is a, a a midget, and he's dressed in all red. Uh huh. Um, and and first we see him in a corner, and he's just from like we just see his back, and he's like twisting it, like moving and shaking. Really, he looks like he's like, like gyrating. It's really eerie and creepy. It really is. And we can't like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then and then he, he turns around, and and all the while. Agent Cooper's just sitting in the chair, just watching everything with, like, this blank expression on his face. Yeah, and you, I mean, we don't know if, like, he can't move, like, you know, yeah, there's it, some there's some dreams where, like, you can't move. That, I know, it's true, it almost seemed like that, you know, it's like, <clears throat> you, you, you you feel like you have to, you want to get up and, like, say more and do more, but you can't. Which, you right. can always read it on his face, like, he was very restrained. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he talks a little bit, but, um, yeah, this, the, this little man, he has so many, um... He has just, like, a bunch of one-liners, I think. So, this dialogue, he goes, um, he says, let's rock. Don't really know what that means yet. Um, Laura touches her nose. She just kind of puts a finger next to her nose. I don't know precisely what that's supposed to be. Um, but, I mean, I guess we can theorize about that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. And, and it, I mean, it's worth pointing out. I, at first, I thought they were speaking in a different language. Mm. Uh, but it, it's just the, the editing, the sound editing is just really weird. It's almost like the beginning of them saying the word and the end of them saying the word is like chopped off. So it's like, and it's like sped up almost. So it just feels like it's strange the way they say it. Well, so how they do it is, um, you know, they have someone, uh, say the word, uh, backwards and they record that audio and then they play that backwards. So like. If you wanted to say cat, yeah. then you would say tack. Play that backwards. Cat. That's what. That's like the ty- kind of audio that you get uh. in this. So it's really interesting. Um, it's just... I, I, that was an effect that like no one had really used before, I don't think. Um, it, it's not overly complicated. That Yeah. I guess... And then the actors would just be saying it the, the normal way. They just have to do it a lot... They have to match it up right with I it. I think, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I don't know how tough. the how the like visual aspect of it worked, and like how they, um, you know, how they got it to match up exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, man, that, that was so weird. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it, it's strange. It just provides the effect that like it's just like a little off, and yeah, it, something's just a little bit wrong, and and um, you know. It, the tiny midget man starts like dancing and kind of grooving around, and we get like that music, um, like yeah. that that jazzy music. And yeah, like we said, he mentions the title of our podcast back in the style. Yeah, he says these really strange lines to Cooper, and he's you know, the gum that you like will come back yeah, in style. Yeah, that gum you like is going to come back in style. And I mean, I don't know if Cooper, you know, he specifically likes a. Uh, Flavor of gum, and yeah, now I mean, it's it, gonna come back in style. Or you know, what could that possibly mean? Like that would make sense for Cooper's personality. You know, he's so 
you know, it would make sense that he has a favorite a favorite gum that he, <laughs> right. he only chews one type of gum. Yeah, that would make sense with the coffee and everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, his other lines, he says she's my cousin, but doesn't she look almost exactly like Laura Palmer? Yeah, and then and then he says, but you know, but she is Laura Palmer. <laughs> uh huh. Um, she's my cousin. What she, the heck? She's my cousin. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and, and Cooper asks her if she is Laura Palmer. She says, um, I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. And I think... Oh! Well, okay, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but when Nadine, right? Mm, Yeah. Arms bending back. Remember when she was... Ah, I see what you mean. Literally, like, bending the bars back with the fitness machine. That's you know? true. Yeah, I had not thought of that. Yeah, I mean that's some sort of connection. Maybe I, it's I kind of like forgot about everything else that happened in this episode because <laughs> yeah. once you see the dream, that's all you think about. Right. Yeah. yeah. My arms bend backwards. Oh, mm-hmm. I I think also it might mean that um, you know she was in the train car and she was bound with her arms behind her yeah. back. Behind her back. It, it, and repeat it again. You say that. What did she say first? Uh, I feel like I know her. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we talked about how she was regarded as a very upstanding citizen, but a lot of people didn't actually know where it seems. Like, there was a dark side to her. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, yeah, it's really like Laura yeah. speaking. Well, yeah, I, so, I didn't even know myself, maybe. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, the version in the room could be, like, you know, the Laura that everyone thought she was. Yeah. Saying, you know, I, I, I felt like I knew who she was, but, and so it's kind of saying, like, they're two different, two separate people here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the little man says, uh, she's full of secrets where we're from. The birds sing a pretty song and there's always music in the and, air. And that's when the music comes in. Music comes in. And that's when and, it starts. And dancing. this is music that we've heard before, yeah. but now that it's being played here, it just has such a cool new meaning to it. Yeah. Um, and Laura g- slowly gets up. She walks over to Cooper, leans down. She kisses him, which just took me completely by surprise. Yeah. I was like, whoa, why is that happening? Um, and she whispers something in his ear. We don't hear what she whispers, and then Cooper, um, he wakes up with, he has this cowlick, uh, mm-hmm. in his hair, that's just really funny. Yeah. Um, brings up Sheriff Truman, tells him, I know who killed Laura Palmer, and it can wait till tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. You would, you would expect him to say, you know, it can't wait, but he, he places emphasis, like, it can oh, wait it until, can wait. it yeah. can wait until tomorrow, then it ends. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Then we're over. That was, wow, I mean, that was, yeah, that, uh, that was probably the, out of the three episodes I've seen, my favorite one so far. Definitely need to go back and rewatch that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with that ending, and uh, definitely some of those clues go places. So, I want to revisit this specific dream sequence, probably at the beginning or at at uh, at the end of the first season, maybe yeah. after we finish that, we can kind of like take a look back. That's true. Uh, go to some earlier clues that we might not have picked up on, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you know later in the series, I mean, maybe after like season two finale and and stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So. Um, I guess I, we'll go back to the beginning of yeah, the, the I beginning guess, of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to the beginning here. Uh, let me get my plot summary. Unconventional setup, but yeah, I think it was a good idea to react to that thing first. That's yeah. first. 
Wow. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's a lot to react. Yeah, to. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot there. All right. Um. Okay, so let's begin this very uh, concise scene by scene plot summary. Jerry Horn interrupts the Horn family dinner. Ben tells Jerry that Laura Palmer has been killed and that the Norwegians left. Ben and Jerry meet Blackie O'Reilly, the proprietor, the proprietor of One-Eyed Jacks, a brothel slash casino just over the Canadian border. Bobby and Mike meet Leo in the woods. Someone hides behind a tree in the distance. Leo gives them half of the drugs and wants the rest of his money. Uh, Leo threatens Bobby and Mike. Nadine becomes angry at Ed because he spilled grease on her drape runners. Bobby promises to kill Leo if he hurts Shelley again. Cooper tells Truman, Andy, Hawk, and Lucy about a dream that gave him uh, an unusual deductive technique. He will use this technique to discover who the J in Laura's diary might be. As Truman reads from a list of names, Cooper throws a rock, throws a rock at a bottle. As At Dr. Jacoby's name, Cooper strikes but does not break the bottle. At Shelley's name, Cooper accidentally strikes Andy. At Leo's name, Cooper breaks the bottle. At the Double R Diner, Donna watches Audrey slowly dance to the dreamy music on the jukebox. Albert Rosenfield arrives and is rude to everyone. That's a good description for this book. <laughs> he's rude to everyone. He's literally rude to everyone. Uh, a jubilant Nadine tells Ed that a spilled oil made her drape runner completely silent. Josie opens a safe and finds two ledgers for the mill. Leland dances with Laura's picture. Sarah tries to stop him, but the glass on the picture breaks and cuts her hand. And after that is the whole dream sequence that we just spent 20 minutes discussing. <laughs> um, so this episode is directed by... David Lynch. Okay. So, I mean, that would, that would make sense. It kind of makes sense, yes. I think, like, he wanted to be there for the, like, beginning of the whole, uh, you know, the, the first dream sequence. Kind yes. Of. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I guess we'll... You'll just hop right into it. Um, yeah. We got started. Yeah, so right away, kind of a, uh, a, a eerie intro, so we just get this, this shot of the Horn family around the table... They're all just doing their own thing. Nobody's talking to each other. Johnny's it's got, really eerily it's quiet. Eer- it's, 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 it's tense. Yeah, you can sense some tension. It's almost kind of sad because everybody's just doing their own thing. Um, you know, nobody's even looking up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did you, did you say eighth grade? I did. It reminds me of the scene where um, you know the girl is at the dinner table and she's on her phone with her earbuds in, and the yeah. <laughs> and the dad's like, oh, like you don't want to talk to me at all, and she's just completely absorbed. Yeah, well, yeah, but like no one's talking to each no other. No one's talking. It, it it is sad. Yeah, and once again, Johnny's in the uh, the Indian headdress mm-hmm. looking thing is extending all the way down to the table, um, and it, it stays on this shot for a very long time, and still until we get the introduction of. Um, uh, Jerry. Jerry. Ben. Yeah, Jerry. I I did, <laughs> and what ensues is extremely strange. <laughs> so yeah, so he comes in with like this entourage of like hotel employees who were like holding his bags or something, <laughs> and um, I, I yeah, I never this like he isn't mentioned at all in previous episodes, uh-uh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and he comes in. Um, with like this bread that he says it's amazing. Um, I forget what's what's it called exactly. Uh, it's it's like a baguette. Yeah, like it's like a baguette. And so I guess he was like off traveling somewhere. He was in Paris. Paris, say, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah, he, they don't really look alike too much. Ben and Jerry, like uh, no, they really they, don't. They, they don't really. 
But yeah, he starts talking about how good this baguette is, and, and he hands it to Ben, and they just start devouring it. I know, like, especially Ben. I mean, he just he takes a huge bite out of it and just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, this <strange>. was um, <laughs> this was a lot of uh, I, I, like kind of unscripted stuff. Um, with you know, they were supposed to be eating the baguettes, and and Lynch just had to keep telling them, "No, like give me give me more, like just shove this whole baguette in your mouth," and just like it, and he just you know, he eventually just wanted to get it to be more and more ridiculous of. You know, how they were eating with their mouths full and, um, you know, just like Jerry walks in and then Ben is now just completely, you know, ignoring his uh, wife and children and then they're just eating these baguettes and yeah. uh, uh, talking about old times. And things yeah, like it's, that. it's it's strange because um, Jerry walks in, he goes over to kiss Ben's wife and she's like, Ben, <laughs> she kind of yells at him and he and then he walks back. You know, they obviously aren't appreciating his presence too much. <laughs> Yeah, it's strange. You wouldn't think that, from what we know of uh, Ben's character, you wouldn't think that he'd like actually be like all buddy buddy with his brother. And mm-hmm. I, I would, if you would have asked me last episode what his family relations would be, huh. I would have said estranged. Yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah, not and, like this. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he does seem very businesslike, but he he definitely becomes like more childish in this scene, and it's just like. Yeah, really playful, just kind of devouring this baguette. No, I mean it's it's a great scene. It's really it's funny. It's funny, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I I love the line where um, Ben tells Jerry uh, Leland's daughter was killed, <laughs> and the Norwegians left without signing. And Jerry's like, "Oh man, I can't believe they left without signing." Did you say Leland's daughter died? <laughs> like, yeah, he just immediately hops onto the Norwegian thing, <laughs> totally disregarding yeah. Leland's daughter. Yeah, and so. I'm sure you noticed this as well, but uh, Ben's placement within the painting? No, I don't think you so. You didn't notice this. Okay, so so obviously there's the painting behind them. And so when they first walk in, we don't really get a good glimpse of the painting, but you can see like a, a man's figure, and Ben, when he walks in, perfectly aligns with his head and his whole body. Ah. And when the scene ends and they move away, the camera kind of zooms in onto the painting, and we start to see the full picture. And from what I could see from the painting, it looks like um, the man that Ben was kind of uh, filling in, he was he was cutting wood or something along those lines. Like he was with a saw, like with a sawmill. Okay. You know, he made these connections with the wood. I mean, I I am, you know, I'm sure that this was an intentional thing because it lined up like perfectly yeah. with it. And they focused on the painting afterward. So I didn't on the rewatch, I would take a closer look at that painting and what exactly was on it. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't, uh, did not think of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, then we get uh, kind of the introduction to One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah. And this is, a, this is an uncomfortable like opening sequence, because, you know, we've just seen uh, Ben eating dinner with his family, you know, his wife and his two kids are there, and then uh, they're immediately, you know, taking this boat ride to this like skeevy brothel and casino. Yeah, it, it's yeah. They they get off the boat and and they meet these like uh, these prostitutes and like Playboy bunny almost uh, bunnies look like, mm-hmm. um, but with a red color scheme. Yeah, the there's whole a place. Yeah, <laughs> their outfits and then the whole. In my notes, I have in capitals in capital letters red because <laughs> yep. it's all over in this red. scene. Yeah, so so they go inside, and you know uh, before. Um, 
Ben was like, you know, I have something that can cheer you up or whatever. Um, like the new girl when you have like a 50-50 chance because ah. they, they flip the coin. And and so she was she was a new girl, right? That's what yeah. they said. And she, they also say that she, um, she's from the perfume counter at Horn's department store. Yeah, and that was where uh, Ronette worked. Right, so, like, maybe they're kind of getting people from there. Yeah, because to... remember, we saw Ronette's photo in, in the sketchy magazine. That's right. <laughs> Which Leo was in as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that makes sense. And um, when all the... Uh, when all the prostitutes start to walk out, that's that. There's the one in the black. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, yeah, Blackie's like the, Blackie. the ringleader, I guess. Yeah, you know, she kind of runs the whole. Ben obviously knows. Um, but yeah, then like the the new the new girl, the new prostitute comes out, and it's, and you can tell that she's like very uneasy and nervous and almost scared. Like when when Ben is walking toward her, like just her face acting, she looks very uncomfortable and just. Yeah, um, uh, I, I don't ease. It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a really uncomfortable yeah, scene. Yeah, it she is. Kind of comes out and like takes his hands really slowly and all yeah. that. It's it's weird. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, shortly after, you know, this is jumping a couple scenes ahead, but Cooper gets a note that says Jack with one eye. Yeah, someone knocks at his hotel it. door and he mm-hmm. finds he finds a note on the ground. Jack with one eye. Yeah. And so I mean that has to be you know yeah. one eye Jacks is the name yeah. of the uh, casino place. I'm but, just wondering what the connection there right would like be. who would have put that there uh, anonymously because they knocked on the door and then and then clearly went away. Yeah. Um, you know someone's trying to give him some kind of clue and you know what are they going to find there if they uh, if they go looking so uh, that's an interesting little clue in that direction. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, you know, there's more uh, cringy dialogue with James and Donna. and Oh, uh, my gosh, yeah. The, their, <laughs> yep, their parents leave. They're alone on the couch talking. Uh, yep, you know. Or, start making out. Yep. You know, like you do when your uh, best friend has just been, you know, murdered. Just been murdered the day before. Yep, that <laughs> happens all the time to me. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure they did not clean up the dishes that night. <laughs> <laughs> they probably didn't. Probably yeah. did not. Donna said she was going to, but uh. yeah, that, that fruit punch is still in the cup on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> fruit punch. Uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, they they're still you know as cringy as ever, but um, you know they kind of have still kind of have the soap opera thing going on. Yeah, and I really want to skip ahead a little bit. Um, when Shelly is in her house, she's watching the TV, and it's this. I don't know if maybe it's the intro to the show or if it's, like, a commercial for the show, but it's Invitation to Love, and it's, like, this soap opera that everyone watches in Twin Peaks. Uh, okay. As well as start to see, like, throughout the rest of the series. Huh. Like, it's always it's always just, like, on in the background and stuff. Um, and, you know, there, you can kind of, like, keep up with it a little bit um, and, like, see some parallels between, uh, like, the, the show and... Uh, you know, the show inside the show. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting to watch. We can, um, I've never really paid too much attention to that, but we can definitely keep closer tabs on that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, the set of their house is so it's, it's, it's really eerie. Yeah. It's, um, not like fully completed. All the walls are just these like wooden beams and it's all desolate. Like she's got the TV, but then right next to it, it's just this 
eerie photo of Leo not even smiling, just <laughs> looking. It's black and white. Yeah, that's really creepy. It's very creepy. <laughs> um. So, uh, what's next? Oh, um. So Hawk talks to Cooper on the phone. Yeah. I, I was kind of confused here. So what happens here? Was he saying um, that Ronette's body was taken? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Because Ronette is, Ronette is still alive. Oh, wait, oh, wait, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's in the coma. Okay, because he says that her, her soul and her spirit and body oh, yeah, are that's far right, her spirit and body. I think, she, I think that's just like his way of saying, you know, like she's still in the coma. Okay. I, like he, I think he says a lot of stuff. Hawk is, is like a Native American. He kind of has That's a lot thinking. of stuff with like you know the the spirit and um and all that. Yeah. No, I I think he just means that she's in a coma. Okay. And, and um, then he talks about the one-armed man. He talks about the one-armed man, and Cooper's reaction is very interesting to this because he he almost seems like he knows uh the one-armed man or like he knows who that is. Yeah. I mean that's true. You see, it seems familiar, like the idea of one Yeah, maybe the Red Room dream to him is familiar. Maybe he's had that dream before. Yeah. I mean, that's the first time we've seen it, but it may not be the first time that he's had it. Yeah, and it doesn't Hawk say that, you know, he saw him, he went to the morgue, and I pursued him, but then he got away? Yeah, right. Which is strange, because what we see happen is he he follows him into the room, hears the door shut, and then just leave. It doesn't yeah, exactly... it kind of just seems like he gives up. Yeah, it doesn't exactly... There was no pursuing. <laughs> not, right. Not really. It, it just kind of seemed like he accepted it and left. Yeah, I agree with that. So, you know, there's a little discrepancy there between their two stories. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Well, and then that's uh, that's when Cooper gets the one-eyed Jack, or Jack with one eye note. Yeah. Um. So, then, this is, I think, one of the best scenes maybe in, maybe in the whole series... Uh, Mike and Bobby. Oh my god! In the woods, such a good scene. So creepy when you just get the flashes of you know, like the flashlight on the trees. Yeah, when they're walking along. Oh my god, so scary. And and up until now, Bobby has kind of been like the tough guy, but um, you know, they they find the football, and we actually saw that in the last episode. Yeah, I Leo, com- Leo I com- cutting a football. I right completely before he forgot show. to talk about that uh-huh. it's a, because I remember seeing it and being like, "What is he? <laughs> why is he doing? cutting the football? Why is he? I thought you know he was going to use that to like to hit her with it or something, but then he picks up the soap and uh, yeah. yeah. So now we find out that there there was money stashed in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so was, there's there was drugs stashed in it or drugs, drugs. Yeah. Okay, so there, so so Bobby and. Mike are giving him money for for drugs. For drugs. And then Leo's selling them like cocaine, I think. Oh, he okay, okay, yeah. and then yeah, because then we get we find out that because um, he, he says that Laura was a wild girl, and like, uh-huh. we find out that Laura was doing cocaine. So yeah, <laughs> and then uh, Cooper's hunch from the pilot when he, they were um, they had like the safety deposit key, and he said, "I bet this will test positive for cocaine." So that that turns out to be correct here. I yeah, think. it does. Which I mean, I didn't really even believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of shocking that uh, you know everyone can have this perception of her, and then that's just completely wrong. Yeah, it, it's a really eerie scene, though. Once again, great acting from Leo, and he just oh. com- he comes up with the flashlight, and he's got this eerie glow on everybody's faces. It's yeah. almost you know, it's almost eerie in like a comical way, like just the way that he. Uh, like flips the flashlight on and he's leaning against the tree and it's like you know coming up from under his face and yeah that kind of thing but uh-huh. um, it it is it is really menacing and 
Um, you know, like Bobby is kind of the tough guy, but here when he is standing face to face with Leo, he looks terrified. Well, I completely forgot that he was that he had a thing he has a thing going with Shelly uh-huh. Leo's wife I was like oh shoot I mean that's why he's terrified right now right because of the scary situation and he doesn't want Leo to find out because you know Leo starts talking about how you know his wife he she's giving it away mm. and and he's got a um you know, he's got to fix things yeah and, yeah yeah and and I just love that he's uh you know Leo is we don't know if Leo knows that it's Bobby or not. Yeah, I, like I feel Cause it kind of seems like he's like threatening him specifically, and uh, you know, and being like someone is like you know someone's been doing this, and do you know who it is? Yeah. like that kind of thing. I feel like he would have just shot him on the spot if he knew it was him. I think so. But, but Bobby, when when Bobby asks like a bunch of times, like, do you know who it is? Like, do you? And he just keeps asking that. Yeah, he, he's starting. Uh, certainly letting on that he kind of has suspicions about Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, they run away, they get to their car, yeah, and, and, and the w- football hits them. Yeah, and then before that, we see a figure uh, oh, yeah. behind a tree wearing what looked like a ski mask. Mm-hmm. And a, not a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> not a Hawaiian shirt. No Hawaiian shirt No Hawaiian shirt. I mean, he had a coat on. You know, there might be a Hawaiian shirt under <laughs> Maybe, that. Maybe. don't know. Freaking Jacoby. I don't know if he, <laughs> Dr. Jacoby could have fit, fit the hair under the ski mask. Oh, that's true. Um, but, yeah, this really really eerie shot you see him kind of like peeking out for the tree and then he just kind of goes back behind it and bobby says you know like did you bring someone along or something like that and um leo it, it makes it seem that leo knows that the guy is there mm-hmm. and and when bobby says um like who's that behind you that that kind of seems like oh like look over there i'm trying to distract you but um you know, he really does see someone. I don't think Leo even looks, really. He doesn't. Just maybe because he thinks that's uh, one of Bobby's tricks. But, yeah, that's just so creepy how he doesn't look. And, he, like, he's he's fine with he's fine with that. He doesn't care. He's just worried about Mike and Bobby and getting his money and, yeah. and stuff. And I, I love, um, you know, he calls him quarterback. Uh-huh. And then he, and he says, run for a pass. Or, you know, go run for a pass. And I was like, what? And then he throws the football and it... Oh perfectly lands on the hood that was yeah terrifying so that's a fantastically terrifying scene that was awesome i love oh it oh my gosh um oh yeah leo says that he wants like new shoes that i kind of it's kind of like comes out of nowhere and he's like yeah try, he's like being menacing and everything and he's like shoes. i need my money i need new shoes <laughs> like what all right leo <laughs> all right take a <laughs> okay leo <laughs> okay 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 james <laughs> um yeah, so uh, now there's a scene with Norma and Ed, how her drape runners are now completely silent. Yeah. Um, okay, it, yeah, this is this is after the first this scene. Is, yeah, this is after the first Norma and Ed okay, scene. Okay, yeah, so before he dropped the grease on the cotton balls mm-hmm. and he, he solved it. He got the silent drape runners. Yeah, so uh, good for her. And she's like, we're going to be rich. Uh, and, you know, Ed's like planning to leave her for Norma, but... Uh, <laughs> They're gonna be rich, you know. Who knows? And so. she just like gives him this huge hug, <laughs> and Ed just lets out this like grimace smile of pain. His, his expression is so funny. He was like, eh. <laughs> "It's hilarious." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh... oh, and then um, yeah. So there's this whole scene in the woods uh, with throwing the rocks, and I and, oh, at the yeah. jars, and I think this is an awesome scene. It is. I love all of this for. For a few reasons, at the beginning, um, 
you know, there's like a little bit of, uh, like kind of slapstick comedy. Um, you know, they're rock hitting Andy and stuff like that. <laughs> and you know? it, it's strange because it's like completely uh, absurd almost because uh-huh. it, it hits the tree, then it like bounces off and hits him. It's like, mm. how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, there's Lucy asks if anyone wants coffee and all the, you know, all the cops just rush over. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, or, uh, Cooper is about to start talking about Tibet and all the characters lean forward at the same exact time. <laughs> so I found that really funny. Yeah. I, at first I thought someone put another fish in the percolator because he spits out the coffee. <laughs> damn fine coffee. <laughs> damn good coffee. And Yeah, I, I love that. But um, this is an awesome scene, uh, not only because it shows uh, Cooper's like weirdness in his methods, um, but you know also that it's just a really helpful recap for the characters if you're really confused. It's literally a recap because as he says the name, they pop up an image of the character. And all of them have J names. Yeah. You know, like we talked about the, uh, the you know, in Homeroom and the pilot, they all have H names because they had to have them all close together in the one scene. But, That's um, right. You know, now they're all J and so... It's... And they're trying to investigate that line from her diary. Yeah. And you're just about meeting J tonight. It's hard to like... I don't, it's hard to say what I think about this scene. I just I'll have to see like uh, more episodes and come back to this and be like, was he right? Did this does this hold any merit? Yeah, um, because I, I'm trying. To, do you do you remember which ones? You know, it was Doctor Jacoby that smashed the bottle. Uh, Doctor Jacoby, it hit the bottle but it didn't, didn't break, break it. it. And then for Leo, it smashed it. That's right. And but but then for Shelley, that was the one where it hit Andy. Like it was so far off. Um, like, yeah. And then so, the other uh, one hit, like, a barrel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember which one, which that, one is. that was. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you're, like, you know, if everything that Cooper says in this scene is correct, like, if we just assume that everything that he says is right, then, um, you know, like, Shelley is going to have nothing to do with it, and Leo is going to be very involved. So, I, I don't know, I like that juxtaposition of, like, yeah, they're living in the same house, and, like, yeah, they're married, but, um, you know, yeah. they have, like, almost nothing in common. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's just a really awesome scene, and I love these shots at the end with just the broken glass on the log. I just think oh, that's such a yep, cool yep. shot, it, yeah. and it cuts back and forth uh, between them. Um, and then we have uh, more stuff with Audrey. Mm-hmm. She's at the diner, and... Uh, you know, so this is kind of one of her, like, famous scenes. She puts on the music, which I'm pretty sure is called, like, Audrey's Dance or something like that. Yeah. Uh, she's, like, dancing around the uh, diner, and she's saying it's so dreamlike. Um, and she has a conversation with Donna um, about her her dad and, and Laura, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, she says that her dad used to sing to Laura. He used to sing to her, yeah. I just, I don't... I'm really not quite sure what that's like. Uh, they like when they were kids, when they were younger, when they were babies. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe you know. Maybe I, was... I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, and then she says that, you know, Agent Cooper really likes coffee. Uh huh. And Donna and like, Donna kind of like, laughs and like yeah, I love scold, scolds her about a kind of. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's just like more of Audrey being Audrey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, the, it, it's some really confusing stuff, you know, when she when she's asking like, "Did Laura ever talk about my father?" Yeah. Like, 
Like, should she have? Is that something that is we that need important? to... Is that important? Yeah, is that, is that going to be important for us? It's but, nice um, to see Donna, not with freaking James for once. You know, oh, I know. She, like... <laughs> She's her own character. Yeah, she come can, on. She can be in scenes without James. Freaking James. <laughs> <laughs> okay, James. Okay, James. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we know that there was maybe a connection with uh, Benjamin Horn and Ronette, who worked at the perfume counter, and... Um, you know, the, the girls at One-Eyed Jacks, and so, you know, maybe that's some kind of connection in there with Laura. Yeah, in that's some true, way. you know, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 it, yeah I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> yep, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff that'll, that we'll kind of come back to eventually. Yeah, sure. Um, and now Albert. Oh, yeah. I that. love the character of Albert. I've talked about him in the last two episodes. So I'll get to talk about him a lot more. Yeah. But, Logan uh, was teasing his arrival, and it was it was a, it was a good one. It yeah. was really funny. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, and I didn't even remember that it was this episode, but I saw him come in, and I was so excited. Um, yeah, Albert's just an awesome character. He delivers these one-liners, and, um, you know, he's the way that he talks and, like, his quips and his insults are just so smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, his personality is kind of what, um, what we were, what at least I, you know, I was expecting from Agent Cooper. You know what I mean? When Agent <laughs> Cooper came in, I was like, oh, you know, he's going to be some hardened big city cop who's like, you know, he's trying to get this thing moving fast and right. you know, doesn't like this like small town vibe. But you know, this this it's like the, and it's funny that you know Albert and uh, Cooper, you know, get along and they work well. <laughs> yeah. But like, he, he points out that, you know, he's, he's a mean guy, but he's really good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then we see Truman stand up to him because, <laughs> you know, he says, you know, he's not too good in, you know, his social skills and Truman's like, come on, everybody's got their flaws. But then as soon as Albert starts talking, you can just read it on Truman's face that he is like taken extremely aback by this and extremely offended. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find some, uh, Albert quotes on IMDb here. Oh, he says, I have seen some uh, slipshod backwater bergs, but this place takes the cake. Uh, yeah. And then uh, he says later, welcome to amateur hour. <laughs> amateur hour. And he's reading the autopsy report. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Um, so, yeah, such a fun character. Uh, I can't wait to spend more time with him. Um, so, yeah, I think all that's left in the episode. Oh, oh okay. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's a scene first with Pete and Catherine. They're kind of bickering. Um, and Pete, behind Catherine's back, gives Josie the key to find the ledgers for the mill. Yep. Um, and so there's there's more of this connection with uh, Ben Horn and the mill uh, and Catherine and maybe their plans for it. Yeah, yeah, we know there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a power struggle there between uh, Catherine and Josie. Um, so maybe, you know, and we've seen Pete side with Josie before, so... He knows about these plans, and he's trying to help Josie out because he doesn't seem too fond of his wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Pete is hilarious. I love the way that he enunciates everything. <laughs> he he has a very odd way of speaking. later. <laughs> um, that, that actor, uh, Jack Nance, he's also in uh, Lynch's film Eraserhead, which okay. I have not seen. I've been wanting to watch that as well. Yeah. I, I hope we can do a lot of Lynch movies for the uh, cinema talk. I would like to do that. If we did, like, Definitely. a bunch of uh, David Lynch movies in a row, I think that would be really, really fun. That would be awesome. Kind of a back-in-style cinema talk podcast crossover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, there there's a there's a fake ledger, um, you know, with the numbers that okay. um, Ben and, and Catherine have been kind of making up. 
in the last episode, she referenced their creative arithmetic. Which That's is right. Like yep. a, a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so Josie knows about that. And uh, the last scene before the dream is, uh, again, with the Palmer house. They kind of, every episode, they're kind of putting these uh, Palmer parents scenes, like, right towards the end. Um, and so Leland is just standing there. He's, like, snapping. Yeah. For some reason. He's snapping, and um, he puts on a record. Uh, and this is uh, Glenn Miller, yep, um, yep. Uh, Pennsylvania 65,000. And uh, there, there's a lot of music in the show, and I feel like we should make, like, a playlist of, like, all the songs that appear. Right? Uh, that's extremely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of genres. Yeah, it's... So isn't... Doesn't something with snapping come up in the dream doesn't someone is it the, the midget guy yeah. who snaps yeah yeah he snaps like while he's dancing and then cooper wakes up and he's snapping along with the music that's that right here yeah yeah okay yeah so it's yeah it's really strange he's standing in front of the record player he's like absolutely sobbing and just snapping repeatedly and he just he places the needle down and starts the record and this and it's just this absolutely absurd juxtaposition you know glenn miller's happy music you know this 50s style it's just like mm-hmm. uh, extremely joyous and he's holding the painting and just absolutely sobbing. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he, he, he keeps saying, like, you know, we have to dance. Like, we have to dance for Laura. And, like, um, I don't know, like, it's, it's a responsibility he has or something, like, as a parent. Um, I don't know. It's, it's such a great scene, though. I think perfectly acted by Ray Wise. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Yeah, uh, maybe he had a role in something along the line of the murder. You know what I mean? Like maybe this is why he's so like devastated. You know, it's something he maybe he's something he inadvertently did, or you know, maybe. something that was something that we don't know about. You know, that, that right. may have played a role in it. Yeah, huh? Yeah, and um, of course Sarah comes in. She's still completely distraught. Um, but you know, I love that they're still giving us these scenes here and there. You know, people are people are still grieving, and Laura doesn't stop affecting this community. Um, you know, like I, I feel like I'm gonna say that every episode, just because you know they keep getting, they keep bringing it back, just because they don't want us to forget. Yeah, yeah. You can't just have all the grieving in the first episode and move on. Yeah. Not everyone's like Donna and James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because I mean, if you're gonna spend, you know, two two seasons, well, I mean, like. <laughs> It, it's hard it's hard to explain exactly like when the killer is revealed kind of but like sure. you know if you're gonna I'll say it this way if you're going to spend two seasons a movie and then another season on events that are started by this murder of Laura Palmer and like the way this community is affected you like you better be prepared to show how the community is affected like you cannot spend that much time on it and um you know, not make sure that the audience knows it's a really, really impactful death for this community. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that they yeah, do. and it never feels, it never feels like too much. You know, because I mean? if they could have, t- they could have gone overboard and then just absolutely dragged all the episodes down and just made them so heavy. But I think I think they they lighten it up with other scenes, and I think I think it's a good balance. Yeah, and there's enough. You know, there there are enough reminders in each episode. Yes, um, to keep that to keep that going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, now at this, now at this point, um, you know, that's the dream sequence. 
Yeah, and um, which we already talked about. Which we already talked about uh, at length. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a crazy. Episode. Was, was there anything else about that that you wanted to revisit? Maybe in the or? dream sequence. Yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna just have to go back and yeah, I'll have to rewatch. Have to maybe re-watch. At, the, at the beginning of the next episode, we'll kind of recap and. Yeah, that was. I remember in our Vertigo podcast, uh, Logan mentioned the dreams. That's right. Like, we haven't seen any David Lynch dreams yet, and yeah, this 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 one was good. It was good. Uh-huh. It was yeah. It was terrifying. And there and and watching it, I think, you know, I don't want to say that like everything that happens in the dream is a clue, but I think everything comes back in some way, and we see it again. You know, whether it's yeah, you know, it, you know whether like what characters say it or um you know like in what way it's used but yeah i remember you said that in the first episode how you know not everything is necessarily a clue but if you know where to look it may take you in the right direction yeah yeah that's right. actually uh something that i just remember from the dream sequence when they're inside the red room the you see a shadow go across the walls mm. all the way across and i have no idea what that means but and then we couldn't even discern what the shadow was it definitely didn't look like a person i don't it looked like a object but yeah that that happened <laughs> yeah I, yeah it did happen uh i think maybe maybe it was supposed to be like a bird um because he says i only think of that yeah because he says where we're from the birds uh sing a pretty song yeah um, yeah but yeah this is this has been a weird one <laughs> it, it has so i mean this is the this is the episode i feel like where um you know, it it either loses you or it draws you right back in. Yeah, and then for me, I am completely drawn in, even farther than I, I was before. Oh, nice. Yeah, definitely. All right, yeah, I mean, once I, like, I remember once I saw this episode uh, for the first time, like, I was just, I wanted every episode to be, like, all just that, yeah. all just dream sequences, and, because uh, it's so fascinating. It is. Um, but uh, David Lynch definitely spaces it out a bit, and he kind of makes you makes you wait for it a little. That's good. So then when it comes, it's even more impactful. It, yeah. it is, yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, but I mean, more of that to come. More of the other stuff. More of the more of the mill. Uh, yeah. More of the police station. More of Ben Horn and uh, his one-eyed Jack shenanigans. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where all this goes. A lot of things introduced in this episode. Mm-hmm, a lot of things introduced, a lot of things continued. Uh, and so, I mean, I guess we'll just, we'll see where this goes. Um, so, again, after this episode, I have to ask you, who do you think killed Laura Palmer? Yeah, so in the last episode, I said, the man with the long hair, who we now know as Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... um and, and, and we see even more of him this time. But then we're also introduced to so many other things. I mean, we get the the one-armed man, Mike. So I'm not... Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, I, I think I may just still stick with Bob because he, he's, you know, one of the... You know, in the last episode, we didn't get... Mrs. Palmer didn't see a vision of Mike. She saw a vision of Bob. I don't know. That just seems... Mm. That just seems important. Um, so I'd be interested to see where that goes. And, and in the dream sequence, he says, uh, so, you know, what, I may kill again. Something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's highly suggesting something along those lines. But then but then again, there's the whole Leo thing. I think Leo has got something, uh, something uh, pretty important to do with all this. 
and then I don't know about the the rest of the family. Like I don't I have I have these like little suspicions about the dad. I don't know. After watching the scene in this episode, I'm a little suspicious. But we'll see where it goes. But so I'm gonna stick with Bob for now. Okay. But, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how all that plays out. Yeah. Um, do we have any twisted mug news? I don't know. We're recording this like more than two weeks before it's gonna be released. Yeah. Um. I just uh general announcement. Uh, general stay tuned. <laughs> general announcement. Stay tuned for you know just more podcasts that are coming out. Acto, this one. Uh, stop. Wait. What? Uh. You know, uh, the Twisted Schmodown. So, yeah, a uh, bunch of cool stuff happening. Just stay tuned for it. And, yeah, um, it was it was a pleasure. This was, this was a good episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I am uh, extremely excited to uh, watch, uh, watch episode four. So, yeah. All right. Well, we will get to that next time on Back in Style. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for joining.